You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packer Night Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, feels good, doesn't it? I mean, there's... I, I can't say... forgot to fix the intro. I can't say it was perfect, because it wasn't. And I can't say going forward, there aren't a handful of concerns. And I can't say that I know that this is the best team in football, but it feels pretty good. Um, I, you know, e- even after days like today, I like to come at it from the angle of the pessimists, partly because I am one, although I'm, I'm, I'm a recovering pessimist. I'm getting better. But I don't want to overextend. I'm, I'm too defensively minded. I picture in my mind saying something overly excited and declarative in the positive and just getting... You know, you overextend and the pessimists come back and knock you out in week four after we fall two in a row to the Saints and the Falcons or something, you know? So what would the pessimists be saying right now? Well, look who you faced, the Vikings and the Lions. Okay, that's fair. Let's look at the Vikings and the Lions. The Vikings just lost 11-28 to to the team, the Colts, that just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Lions lost to the Mitch Trubisky Chicago Bears, a team that nearly lost to a Saquon Barkley-less New York Giants, who, according to Nick Valenti, or Mike Valenti, who I was just listening to, I got up to a little bit of a late start because I was listening to his epic rant after they lost to the Bears. According to him, even Mitch Trubisky got in front of the podium and basically just dogged the Lions. I didn't hear the quote, I don't have time to look it up, but it was something to the effect of, you know, the Lions defense kind of mixed it up early, but they're a pretty predictable defense. We kind of knew that eventually they would do what they would do, which led to Mitch Trubisky coming back and looking like a Hall of Fame quarterback, because the Lions are that trash, and their head coach is that ridiculously horrible at his job. That's pretty bad, right? I agree with all that. I was the one banging the table, telling you, unlike everybody else, that the Vikings were terrible. Their defense is horrific, despite the fact that everybody else was telling you they're elite at every level. So you're not telling me anything I don't know. I told you the Lions have nothing, but that doesn't mean this isn't still a little bit different. Yes, there's concerns. I'm concerned with a defense that has a really hard time stopping anything. It got better, but it's still a little concerning when we look at eight quarters, and I'm thinking maybe two or three of them I was impressed with the defense out of eight. But let's look back for a second at uh, what is the most fraudulent 13-win team in NFL history, if we may. The Chicago Bears were a garbage team last year. In week one, the Packers beat a garbage Chicago Bears team. They beat them 10-3. The next time they faced this terrible garbage Chicago Bears, they beat them 21-13. In both cases, it was one-score victories in very low-scoring games. They got blown out by a terrible Philadelphia Eagles team. They beat this same garbage Detroit Lions team in week six by one point with literally zero seconds left on the clock. In week 17, with no Matt Stafford on the team, we won by three points with zero seconds left on the clock. 
This same garbage Matt Patricia team, one of these games, having one of the worst quarterbacks to ever step foot on a football t- field, we barely beat. The Mahomesless Kansas City Chiefs, we had a hard time stopping. We got blown out, completely blown out by the 5-11 and LA Chargers. We handled the New York Giants pretty handily, but still after that game, you didn't feel good about it. And let's talk about the, the Washington team. 15-20. to 20. Nobody felt good about that game. That was the game after which you felt like this team is going nowhere, winning 15-20. to 20. The, I'm not on the Packers are fraudulent bandwagon, but this is the reason why. There were a couple good games. The Oakland Raiders game was beautiful, 42-24. to 24. Beautiful. The Vikings game in Minnesota, 23-10. to 10. Felt good. Seattle Seahawks game in the playoffs. It was pretty close, 28-23, to 23, but still, it's the Seahawks, it's the playoffs. You know, you're a little bit worried that it's kind of Rodgers and Devontae and nobody, but man, did they look good. And we would hope that people would see this and, and start to respect the Packers, but nobody did. Because of all this other stuff, the Packers play bad teams and barely win. They beat decent teams, and it looks kind of fluky. Now, yeah, we beat the Cowboys relatively handily, but the Cowboys, as we found out, were trash. Every team that we beat that we thought was impressive went on to barely even make the playoffs or just miss it entirely. We thought maybe beating the, the Bears meant something because they were so good the year before. So 10-3 to 3 felt good until we watched them the rest of the year and went, oh, shoot, I guess they just kind of are terrible. The Eagles, we got blown out. Yeah, but they're a really good team. No, they turned out to be not good. Same with the Cowboys, same with the Chargers, same with the Panthers. These are all really bad teams. So now we fast forward. We face a Minnesota Vikings team that is the same Minnesota Vikings team, but they lost their number one wide receiver. They lost their two pass rushers and replaced them with a lesser pass rusher. And they have a bunch of newer, younger corners. The Packers did win. They won by putting up 43 points. Then they go up against the Detroit Lions team that, yeah, they've got some injuries. But the injuries more heavily indicate that the defense is about to tee off. They don't have their right tackle. They don't have their number one wide receiver. Why is the defense worse for the Lions? It's not. It's not worse. They lost Snacks Harrison, who didn't want to be there and wasn't playing very well, and replaced him with Danny Shelton. There's no backwards regression there. They lost Slay, who was terrible last year, and replaced him with Okuda. We'll see how that panned out. I don't really know. I know Devontae took him to school a little bit, but I know Devontae disappeared for a while. I was worried Okuda was maybe having a good day, and maybe he did. I don't know. The defense is, is, if anything, the one thing that got better of all the things we faced this year is the Lions' defense. The Packers hung 42 points on the Detroit Lions. So yeah, there's concern about our defense and why they were allowed to do absolutely anything at all. Our pass rush should have been even better than it had been in the past, although it was pretty good. More on that in a moment. They shouldn't have been allowed to pass. They shouldn't have been allowed to run. Da 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 da. Complain, complain, complain. Yeah, that's true. We have so far seen Aaron Rodgers throw 50 of 74, which is 67 67.57% which would be his highest completion percentage since 2011. Does anybody else recall what happened in 2011? Second highest of his career. For 604 yards, which would put him on pace for 4,832 yards, which Rodgers has never thrown for in his entire career. The highest that I can see here is 4,643 in 2011. He is on pace for 48 
touchdowns, which would be the highest of his career, even higher than his 45 in 2011. He has, of course, thrown zero interceptions because we are talking about Aaron Rodgers here. He's on pace for 240 first down throws, which would be the most ever. He's also currently on pace for 72 throws beyond 20 yards. The most he's ever thrown for is 64 in 2011. Despite losing Brian Balaga, despite devastating injuries across the entire offensive line, he's been sacked only once through two games, which means he's on pace for eight sacks. I'm sure there will be more, but I'm talking about the start that we're having. He currently has an NFL passer rating of 119.4, which would be the second highest he's ever had since 2011 when he had 122.5. He has not been over 100 since 2016. It will be only the second time he will be over 100 in his NFL passer rating since 2014. That's just Aaron Rodgers. I mean, could we talk about Aaron Jones? who, by the way, faced a stacked box more than anybody else last week, which let, let, let me take a break from the stats for one second and point one other thing out to you. The Minnesota Vikings decided that the way that they would stop the Green Bay Packers is to stop Aaron Jones. They stacked the box 50% of the time. He saw stacked boxes more than anybody in the NFL. And what happened? What, what, what were they betting on? Well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have it anymore. They didn't go out and get any wide receivers. They bought into the BS hype that everybody else is buying into. They got nothing. They can't do anything. They can't attack through the air. We'll stop Aaron Jones, and that'll shut him down. All we got to do, we'll double up Devontae, we'll stop Aaron Jones, and that'll do it. It's really not a bad plan, because if things didn't get wildly better, that plan might have worked. We saw how many points the Vikings put up on us. I mentioned last week that in, in, in 2019, the Vikings beat us. No question about it. We lost every game in which a team scored, I think, over 24 points. If the defense didn't do its job, we lost. The Vikings hung up, what, 34? And we still beat them because we put up 43. Even though they shut down Aaron Jones. Mission accomplished. Even with that, and with him not having the best game of his entire career, here are Aaron Jones' stats for the year. 34 attempts, 234 yards, 6.9 yards per carry. I remember his first year. In 2017, he had 81 rushes for 448 yards, 5.5 yards per attempt. And I said, I like this Aaron guy. No chance in the world he replicates that. That's, 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 a, that's a stat that is irreplicable. I probably could have taken a better attempt at that. But I, you know, you know what I'm going for there. 2018, he rolls back around and gets 5.5 yards per attempt. Now the next year, he, he regresses quite a bit to 4.6, still top tier. This year to start off the season, when he doesn't face stack boxes, because the Lions went from a diff- they went for a different tact. The Lions decided, as I told you would be the case, they don't stack the box. They didn't stack the box once against the Bears. They went for a different tact. We're going to shut down Aaron Rodgers. And what did Aaron Jones do? That's the 2020 Green Bay Packers. Pick your poison. But anyways, 6.9 yards per attempt, despite the fact that, again... He didn't get off to a good start this year. That's because in week two, he had 18 carries for 168 yards, 9.3 yards per attempt, and two touchdowns. So you know, it all averages out in the end. Aaron Jones is currently on pace for 1,872 rushing yards. Just rushing. Just rushing. 
Again, I'm not saying he can maintain that, although I don't know why he necessarily can't. We saw both ends of the extreme. Do you think we're going to see more teams stack the box? They might do better than the Lions did. And maybe we do see a little bit more Jamal, a little bit more A.J. Dillon. But this is this is a similar situation to, you know, the young wide receivers and young anybody, anybody else that's young where you kind of just roll with what's working. Where you can say whatever you want about Jordan Love and, well, you know, if, if Rodgers continues to da-da-da. Nobody's talking about Jordan Love anymore. Because Aaron Rodgers is put that entirely out of the equation. It's not worth even talking about him. As long as Aaron Rodgers, as I mentioned, if Aaron Rodgers can do this, which I did not expect, I don't think anybody really did, that goes bye-bye. All that goes bye-bye. As soon as Aaron Rodgers decides I'm the best quarterback in football, guess what? Not worried about Jordan Love anymore. A.J. Dillon, there's this plan in place. No question Matt LaFleur would love to get an A.J. Dillon type blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter anymore. When Aaron Jones is playing like this, and when Jamal Williams is playing like he's playing, I've never seen him this good. I know Aaron Jones said it. Excuse me, Aaron Rodgers said it. I know. I I heard him say it. And I I didn't think he was lying, but I didn't expect this. I mean, Jamal Williams has always been a close-your-eyes-and-run-straight-ahead guy. Some of those cuts that he's making and the burst and everything else, I mean, he's legit. I love A.J. Dillon. I'm excited when he carries the ball. I think he looks good. He's not getting the ball. Why bother? It's a trust thing. And then you look at the contrast. Look at what. Look at Jace. We'd love to get Jace more involved. Well, we get away from the guys we trust. We get away from the guys that, that Aaron Rodgers has rapport with and that he believes in. And Jace goes 0 for 2. Two of them hit right in the hands. Guess what? Sorry, Jace. We're not playing this dumb game anymore. We, we've got a good thing going here. We've got a group of guys that in year two are really just in sync. Bad defense or not, this is not the same offense. It's just not. These guys get it. They're in sync. They're clicking. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae, shut up. MVS, Lazard, this offensive line. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. These guys are playing out of their minds right now. We can't have the A.J. Dillon conversation at this moment. It makes me sad, but we can't talk about it right now. We got to start talking about are we really going to pay a running back right now because this is unbelievable. By the way, if Aaron Jones were to keep this pace, and I'm not saying he will, but just to put things into perspective, 1,872 yards would put him in 12th place just above Jim Brown, just a couple yards behind Amon Green, who's currently in 9th place with 1883. And I'm assuming this single-season record is not including the postseason, but if it is, then, I mean, add another hundred and so yards to this. Again, I'm not predicting. I'm just telling you how ridiculous this is. And, and I get being a pessimist. I get that there are other factors in play. But you're not getting how special this is. And you are not appreciating something that is rare and beautiful, and you need to start appreciating it. I'm not predicting we beat the Saints. I'm not predicting we win the Super Bowl. I'm telling you, this is rare for anybody to get to experience something this amazing. Even Packer fans who have had some special things happen, this is special. And if you don't stop and appreciate what we've seen these last two weeks, you're missing it. Not everything can be Super Bowl or bust. Not everything can be perfection or I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. If you don't stop and appreciate what's going on right now, you're missing all of it. This is, this is, we talk about the 2011 Packers. We, to this day, how much we miss it and how much we loved that and how amazing it was. We're witnessing it. Bask in it. Appreciate it. Love it. 
I know the defense looks like garbage. I get it. Oh, how can they do It looked a little better. Part of the problem with some of the pessimists, and, and I think pessimists are right more than they're wrong, but part of the problem with being pessimistic about the Green Bay Packers is you're wrong all the time. These guys have earned our trust, and it's time to start trusting them. We've had complaint after complaint after complaint and fear after fear after fear all last year. Well, this team's not good enough to beat that team. Well, this team is, did you, I mean, that's, yeah, they can do it against the Bears. They'll never do it against da-da-da. We're never going to beat the Chiefs. We're not going to beat the Vikings. We're not going to beat the da-da-da. And we did, and we did, and we did, and we did, and we did. And then finally we lose to the, the 49ers in the playoffs, and the pessimists feel vindicated. Finally, their hatred and their rage and their restless, sleepless nights are, are it, was, it was worth it all. It finally paid off in the end because the Packers lost. Don't do that to yourself. There are no NFL fans that are currently going through what we're going through right now. Maybe the Seahawks? The Chiefs almost lost to the Chargers yesterday. I mean, I, I, I get the Chargers play the Chiefs a little bit different, and some people are even expecting something like that to happen. But the defense took a step. The offense did not regress. And, 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 and listen, I can promise you this won't last forever. Even if it lasts all year, it won't last the rest of your life. So enjoy it while it lasts, whether it's one more week, zero more weeks, three more years. Because I, I, I've, the last couple years since I started this podcast, I've been living with this feeling of, man, I wish I had appreciated it when we had it. Because it feels like it's slipping away. Mike McCarthy doesn't have it anymore. Ted Thompson doesn't have it anymore. It's just not going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is fading away, and we don't have enough offensive talent, blah, 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 blah. And Brian Gutekunst does the impossible. He stacks this team with talent. He hires a freak of a head coach who is the most underappreciated coach in NFL history. I'm, I'm, I promise you, I'm going to spend the rest of today. I shouldn't promise you that because I lie more often than not. But it is a goal of mine today to try to find a more impressive head coach ever in history. What he's done is unbelievable. Oh, and by the way, Aaron Jones is on pace for 24 rushing touchdowns. He had 16 last year. He's on pace for eight receiving touchdowns. He had three last year. He had five carries of 20 or more yards last year. He's already got one, and it was a 75-yard scamper for a touchdown, something I don't remember the last time I've seen that. That's one of the things about the Packers and and all the guys that we've had. They don't have that top-end speed. They just can't quite do that. They always get caught. That was my thought. I mean, Eddie Lacy ain't going 75 yards, and Aaron Jones is, is, you know, he's got decent enough speed, but... He's not going to outrun the safety. We just we just don't see that. I've cons- I've I've resigned myself to that. We're not going to see these big eighty yard runs. I mean, I I saw it. It was an eighty yard run by uh, the 49ers. and I, I looked at that and said that's that's crazy, and it's it's too bad the Packers just don't have a guy that can do that. And he ripped off a seventy five yard run for a touchdown. He's on pace for eight of those right now. Most he had was in twenty seventeen. He had six, and this is in a year. When Aaron Rodgers was expected to be on the way out, when Aaron Jones was expected to be on the way out, David Bakhtiari through two weeks is looking like the best left tackle in football. At a time in which we're talking about, I wonder if he's on the way out. Rashawn Gary is supposed to be a bust. He's the best pass rusher we have on this team through two weeks. And again, I want to reiterate, where is this team if this is still Ted, Tho- uh, Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy? How much credit do we give Mark Murphy for deciding to move on? 
How much credit do we give Mark Murphy for deciding that rather than going with Elliot Wolf, we're going to go with Brian Gutekunst? How much credit do we give that despite all the, the media's hemming and hawing about drafting Lafleur, who is terrible in Tennessee as the offensive coordinator, the fact that he's, he's basically getting hired because he's Sean McVay's barber and it's just this big laughable joke and he doesn't know any da 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 They keep doing things. Everybody keeps calling the Packers stupid. Packer fans keep believing it. And I don't know why at this point. Why do you keep believing it? Don't trust Skip Bayless. Don't trust Colin Coward. Definitely don't trust that moron Vikings fan. We need to start trusting Brian Gutekunst. We need to start trusting Matt LaFleur. The jury's still out on Mike Patton. We'll, 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 see. we'll wait and see on that. But again, just put the, the disgust and the anger at whatever it is you're upset about on pause for a minute and just reflect. There's no rule written somewhere out there in the universe that says if a team is bad, you got to hang 43 on them. Bad teams don't do that. So stat Wes Hodkowitz pulled up. Again, when I say that you don't see things like this as football fans very often and, and needing to just stop and appreciate how special this, this start of the season has been. We can't control the future. I don't know if there's an imminent collapse coming. We've been hearing that since forever. 2019, the Packers are going to completely collapse because they're falling apart. Aaron Rodgers is trash, and Matt LaFleur is a nobody. You believed it then, and you shouldn't have. 2020, well, they didn't do anything in the draft because Brian Gutekunst is an idiot. Aaron Rodgers is a bum. He's washed up. You believed it then, too. And you live in this misery because you believe all this nonsense. Knock it off. Via Wes Hodkowitz, the Packers joined the 1991 Buffalo Bills with 87 points, 1,119 yards, as the only team in NFL history to register 85-plus points and 1,000-plus total yards in the first two games of the season per the Elias Sports Bureau. Since 1991, we don't, again, you don't get it. This isn't just a good start against bad teams. A lot of teams go up against bad teams. This is the best start since 1991. You're telling me the Vikings and Lions are that bad? This, this Lions defense is better than it was last year. Don't give me that garbage. There are currently worse defenses in the NFL today than the Vikings and the Lions. Currently. Not to mention 2019, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, all the way back to 1991. These are the worst two defenses in history? Stop it. Then you look at the other powerhouse offenses. Look at the Ravens. Look at the Chiefs. Look at the Saints. Look at, I mean, again, back through history, the best of the best, including the 2011 Packers. None of them have had a start like the Packers in 2020. This is a beast. This is an animal like we haven't seen in the NFL. And you want to complain about the defense? I get that everybody else is sleeping. I get that the Saints don't realize what's coming. I get that the NFL hasn't woken up yet. They don't know what the Packers are doing over here. They still believe that this is a team with no wide receivers that's got a fumbling, bumbling offense and a moron head coach. They'll, they'll find out in due time. But you need to wake up. We need to wake up. We should at least see what's in front of our eyes. This team is vicious and violent, and it does not stop. It is a machine that is insatiable. It cannot be satiated. You know what that means? It means it eats, and it eats, and it eats, and it cannot get satisfied. It needs more. This team goes up 20 points, scores a touchdown, and goes for a two-point conversion. Because all gas, no break isn't just a cute slogan. 
It's the reality for the 2020 Green Bay Packers. It's a beast that will not stop. Doesn't know anything but hatred. And I don't care if it's the Lions defense. I don't care if it's the Bears defense. I don't care if it's the Saints or the Falcons defense. You can't stop this thing. You can stop a person, but you can't stop the entity. You tee off on Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers carves you up because this is 2011 Aaron Rodgers. The difference is he's got a running back. He's got the best running back in football right now. And I don't see a whole lot of Vikings fans laughing and chuckling about that fact anymore. When we start talking about Aaron Jones and they laugh at how much better Dalvin Cook is. Where's Dalvin Cook? Who's talking about Dalvin Cook right now? I don't hear a lot of chirping anymore. It's getting real quiet. I think they call that the calm before the storm. You know when it gets real quiet? There's that eerie feeling as all the animals run and hide? Because they know what's stirring. They know exactly what's coming. And you can feel it in the air. This Packers team is a hurricane and it's going to destroy everything in its path. Everything. And you've got two options. You can run or you can stay and get destroyed with everything else. Those are your only options because there is no stopping it. Devontae Adams is on pace for 1,536 yards. That's a record. He's on pace for 16 touchdowns. That would be a record. Everywhere you look, again, week two, fastest ball carriers. We don't even have fast players. Aaron Jones, seventh fastest player on on his 75-yard rushing touchdown. He reached over 20 uh, miles an hour again. Marquez, again, 12th. He's on here again on his 41-yard touchdown reception. Longest plays of the week, Aaron Jones, 82.8 total yards. When they factor in everything, you know, the lateral movement and whatnot. Improbable completions, Aaron Rodgers to MVS, uh, 22.3%. He didn't make it on here all that often, though, because the uh, completions somehow seem to be getting easier. Have you noticed how it's not just Devontae getting wide open now? Again, I understand the, the cornerback issues for the Lions. I get it. It's, it's problematic, but... The 2019 Green Bay Packers, Alan Lazard, MVS, the same guys. They're not getting very open. I don't remember the last time I saw wide receivers getting schemed wide open across the middle. I, I, I said this, I believe earlier this year. Not, I feel like I said it not too long ago. Why is it every other team, especially when they go up against the Green Bay Packers, and I'm not saying the Packers' defense is bad, this just seems normal. When you watch other football teams, you see guys running and there's no defenders there. Why can't the Packers ever do that? It's not that everybody else has elite wide receivers who just masterfully get away from everybody. It's scheme-based. Suddenly, we got guys like Alan Lazard getting schemed wide open across the middle on a third down where it's just an easy completion, and you you think, how in the world does a defensive coordinator allow that to happen? It's called scheme. We just haven't really had that in Green Bay in a while. Guess what? We've got guys getting open. It just simply comes down to, if you guys just do what I say and run where I tell you to run, the way that I tell you to run, with the exact depth angles, all that stuff, you're going to be open. I'm going to do my job and call the right plays. You do your job and run the right route. Aaron, you do your job and throw the ball to the right guy at the right time, and we're going to convert this third down. And that's what we do. That's just, that's simple enough. So Rodgers only 10th so far on improbable completions. Unfortunately, his guys are just getting too open these days. Got a stat for remarkable rushes. Aaron Jones, second on this list. Why? Well, because his expected rushing yards were five yards. Because there's a guy there that, apparently after five yards, could have tackled him. But he didn't. And he ripped off an additional 70. So, there's that. You look at, again, just ripping through next-gen stats. Just just poking around. The Lions did stack the box a lot less. But guess what? 
They didn't do what they did to the Bears. They didn't refuse to stack the box because they're not suicidal. Aaron Jones didn't see a stacked box nearly as much, but he still saw it one on every five rushes. 20% of the time, it was a nice little mix. Anyways, I got to pause here because I'm running out of time and we got to rapidly take a break here. Uh, we'll come back and uh, just discuss a couple other things. This is, I really wish I wasn't right. I See, this is the problem. So I've been telling you, if we'd have just got 3,900 and some odd more uh, people, wouldn't have to go to work and I could uh, extend this podcast out. Unfortunately, we got a got a hard deadline these days. But anyways, let's, uh, let's take a break and, uh, you know, come back with... I don't know, five minutes of something. I, I've got four hours worth of stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. So I mentioned the Iron Jock player of the game. I don't have that information yet. And the uh, entries are locked, by the way, so don't try to sneak in there after the fact. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, what, what, what I'm working on is doing giveaways every single week where you pick the best player of the game. And our buddies over at Iron Jock, who do a fantastic job, are going to be providing some incredible hoodies. And once I get those and I get some PFF information, I'm going to get that sent out. But Iron Jock is is the real deal. It is a Wisconsin-based company, which always gets me super excited. They've got performance wear, including polo shirts, vests, workout, sweatshirts, shorts, socks and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, pants. And not only are they using premium materials so that it feels good, so that it doesn't get worn out, but they've literally got technologically advanced super fibers. So on top of feeling good, they've got silver ion infused in the fabric, which is killing 99.9% of all bacteria and fungus caused by sweating. As much as I love going down to the thrift store and just grabbing some, some old rags to put on, point is everything breaks down. I'm about to buy like my fourth pair of shoes this year because I go on walks and I buy the cheapest shoes I can. They break and it really hurts my feet. At some point, I need to smarten up and realize you get what you pay for and it's time to start getting some quality and Iron Jock is quality. Their Enduratec fabric provides wicking and fast drying. It's breathable material, anti-static, which sounds like it's not a big deal, but I'm telling you, there are shirts I refuse to wear in winter. I refuse because I, you put it on your body in this dry air and you can hear the popping and I just rip it right off. Like, I'm not doing this. It's just the worst thing ever. I feel like a walking lightning bolt. And of course, eliminates odor-causing bacteria for the life of the fabric. On top of all that, it's water repellent because why wouldn't it be? Iron Jock Performance Wear is now available for purchase at ironjock.com. That's I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. And if you want a closer look, be sure to like them on Facebook. Follow them on Twitter, at Iron Jock. I also really, really, really hope that you took my advice with my bookie. Remember that whole thing where we were going to take a little bit of money, we're going to put it in, and then my bookie was going to double that deposit, and then we were going to bet on the Packers, and then we're going to get a bunch of money, and then we're going to send a screen grab over to Overtime at advertisecast.com and be entered to win $500. Remember that conversation we had? I really hope you're making a lot of money because the Packers have not disappointed up to this point. Again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, mybookie.ag is a great place for all your sports betting. And when you sign up using promo code OVERTIME, they're going to double your deposit. You put 10 bucks, they give you 10 to play with. You put down $1,000, they will literally give you $1,000 in money to play with. And to cap it all off, once you create your account, take a screen capture, send it to overtime at advertisecast.com, and you're going to be entered to win $500. They're doing the drawing at the end of the month, and it's rapidly becoming the end of the month. I know it's one of those things you keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, and eventually it's going to be October, and you're going to miss out on $500 for no reason whatsoever. You literally don't have to do anything but send an email to be entered to win $500. 
Don't wait anymore. Do it today. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Um, I really hate to burn up a lot of time, but I also really hate to not thank the people that have been supporting the show. Uh, big shout out to Daniel Thomas. Said he's been listening since about the draft, which I always love hearing that. Because in the back of my mind, it's the same people that have been listening for four years or three years, however long I've been doing this. So it's really nice to hear that there are people that uh, just discover the show. Uh, also, shout out to Peter Thomas, Daniel's brother, who uh, pointed out the show. As, a, as I've been saying, one of the best things you can do to help out this podcast is just, just to tell Packer fans that you know that this this podcast exists. And that, that really does help me out quite a bit. But anyways, thank you very much, Daniel, for... Uh, for the tip, and because I always forget, I'm going. Oh, you know what? I did thank him, but let's. Yeah, thanks again to Justin Parker. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's a good chance you're going to get thanked twice on here because I can't remember anything. But uh, also thank you to David Verbsky, uh, another guy that signed up for the year. I really do appreciate that. Again, Patreon now allows you to sign up uh, for year to year so that you don't have to do a month to month. I know that can be kind of annoying those monthly charges, especially if you have a spouse that isn't exactly a fan of the podcast. And it's like, what are these charges? Every month you got to hear that. What is this? What are these charges? Do we need that? Do we have to do that? It's a lot easier if you can just do like one charge for the year. And it's like, all right, it's just a thing. Like, I just want to give this guy a tip, like whatever. And again, if you sign up for the year, there is a discount in there for you. So there's that incentive. But, uh, and again, if I, if I missed anybody, I really do apologize. And I really am asking you and begging you to please yell at me because I really do want to say thank you publicly. Um, and again, there's so many different venues. It's very possible and probable that I've missed somebody. Um, yeah, so for those of you that skip the ads, please stop doing that, first of all. But second of all, I did mention the uh, Iron Jock giveaway. I don't have the hoodies quite yet. I, I really rushed this through because I wanted to make sure we got the giveaway for this week. So it was very last minute, so they haven't uh, even sent, been sent out to me. So we got to wait for that. I also said there would be a second giveaway. I just, I didn't, I, you know, I'm immersed in the game. I said I would do it at halftime. I didn't, whatever. We'll, we'll do it. We'll, f- we'll figure this out. Again, I rushed it on purpose for your benefit. Um, and I don't know the winner. Um, if you bet on uh, Devont or Aaron Jones, you got a pretty good shot. But we'll see what the final grades are. We'll work through all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's for what it's worth, Christian Kirksey's uh, 
second in the league in tackles. Aaron Jones is rushing is the current rushing leader ahead of Derrick Henry, ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, ahead of Nick Chubb. Stephon Diggs is uh, the leading receiver in the NFL, which has got to make you smile a little bit. Number one, because he's gone tearing up the AFC East for a while. Number two, you're watching the collapse of the Minnesota Vikings, who, uh, you know, didn't want to face the reality of how impactful Stephon Diggs was for this team. Because, you know, Adam Thielen's good enough. Didn't want to face the fact that Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin and all these guys are, uh, a, you know, ridiculously massive part of what makes this defense go. Makes you feel good. Rashawn Gary had two sacks in this last game. Makes you feel good. You know, that old bust. There was this uh, little gem from PFF. For, for those of you that are a little concerned about the defense and the fact that we're not seeing the same amount of, of pressure, it's not true. We might not be seeing the same amount of sacks, and we'll see what the final tally is and, and who did what with pressures. But according to PFF here, Stafford was pressured on 27% of his dropbacks. Remember, 13-ish percent is pretty solid. You take 13% and you factor in you got multiple guys along that front. That's pretty impressive. With no Kenny Clark, nobody on the interior, and you got maybe three pass rushers out there. Doesn't seem like regression to me. Compared to Aaron Rodgers, was pressured on 6.9%. Now, think about that. If an individual only got to the quarterback 6.9% of the time, that would be horrific. But you've got four guys, plus an occasional blitzing safety, which I believe is the, the one sack came as a safety blitz. You've got linebackers, you've got corners, you've got everybody else trying to dial up blitzes. And as a team, they got to Rodgers 6.9% of the time. And again, I'd like to remind you, this is with a banged-up offensive line. I'd also like to point out that as much fear and, and uh, trembling, wailing and gnashing of teeth of, of how bad the run defense is, and granted, AP was pretty solid on a yards-per-carry basis, he had seven carries for 41 yards. Carryon Johnson had 32 yards, DeAndre Swift had 12 yards, Matt Stafford had four. A little quick math, that's about 89 yards total for the team. Jamal had 63. Our number two running back was better than everybody. A.J. Dillon, by the way, was my other prediction. Ten carries for about 61 yards or something like that I said he would have. I'm telling you, I was I was one series off. If they would have put A.J. Dillon in one series earlier, he would have got his ten carries, and I believe he would have gotten his 60-some yards. Why do I believe that? Once they put Tim Boyle in, they just stack the box because you know you're just running. In fact, if they get a first down, it's over. So you stack the box, you don't let them get a first down, and I mean, it's not like it matters anyways, but that's the goal, right? Everybody knows what's coming, and he powered his way to a first down anyways. But if you put him in with Aaron Rodgers in the previous series, which I wish they would have, when there's still a threat of passing, I'm telling you he rumbles. He gets at least one really big carry. He would have gotten his additional five carries. I think he would have got, I just would, me and LaFleur were just, were not in sync, just, just by one series so close. I would have gotten two for two on those predictions, I'm telling you. I think A.J. Dillon didn't look good. He got 3.4 yards per carry when the defense 1,000% knew they were running. We had a backup quarterback in, and he still somehow ripped off a 12-yard run. Um, The Lions' leading receiver was their tight end. Four receptions, 62 yards. He got off to a hot start. Um, Adrian Amos with a terrible attempt at a tackle threw a shoulder at him. Obviously, that doesn't work because Hawkinson is a monstrous tight end. As a general rule, you don't want to just throw shoulders at guys, but especially when we're talking about big tight ends. But even so, after that, it subsided. A lot of people worried about Marvin Jones. He always has good games against us, which I think is not entirely true, but sometimes he does. He had four receptions for 23 yards. Quintez Cephas had 54. DeAndre Swift had 60 yards on five receptions. 
by the way, not only was the defense generating pressure, not only was the defense getting sacks by um, a first-round, uh, you know, second-year guy who was a first-round pick, not only is that looking good, but we had a pick six. Jair had several great pass breakups. You had Josh Jackson come out for, for a couple plays and had a great pass breakup. We got a punter that's looking like the best punter in football. The guy's just an ace. Will Redmond had a nice pass breakup. I think that the, the biggest issue with the defense is it's, it, it operates similar to what the Packers offense used to. When it gets into a rhythm, when it gets into the swing of things, it really starts to, to feed off of that energy. As somebody else had said on Twitter, um, something to the effect of, look, there's nobody in the stands. You guys have to find your own energy. And that's absolutely true. They, they did. But once they got going, once, I mean, they're, they're very, they've got that sort of build up energy. Right? They're a blood-in-the-water defense. When they start to feel, when they start generating that fear and they start feeling things going a certain way, they really start to ramp up. But they just got to do a better job of out-of-the-gate really just starting to hammer this thing. And again, it's an opportunistic defense. You're going to get your, your carries. You're going to get your big plays through the air. Um, I think as Packer fans, we got to learn to be patient. And, and if this offense can keep clicking in this way, we can afford to be patient. Because the offense will keep us in the game until the defense kind of starts to tighten up a little bit. We do need to be better. We are going to go up against better offenses. But we know we have the pieces. We know we have the pass rushers. We know we have the corners because we didn't lose anybody from last year. We lost Blake Martinez. And we got to see what happens with Kenny Clark. If he's out for an extended period of time, that could be problematic. But if we get Kenny back and we got Zadarius and we got Rashawn and... Um, as, as down as I am on Christian Kirksey, I, I still think he's going to be better than Blake was. I don't think he's going to be this freakish player that a lot of people said. He, you know, when he, he's, he's elite when he's healthy. I don't think so, but I'll, I'll take it. It's fine. Again, we'll see what PFF said after they watched everything, and I'll, I'll try to do a better job of going back and actually watching the game and, and keying in on a few things. Not that I should be trusted more than them anyways, but I, I would be very surprised if, if the defense doesn't see a bit of an uptick. I'm sure there were some bad players, some good players, but this is, this is getting better. You know, Matt Stafford plays really well against the Packers, just flat out. He didn't quite have the weapons. And by that, I mean he was missing one big weapon. But, I mean, holding the Detroit Lions to 21 points is, there's nothing wrong with that. Especially as Hawkinson seems to be getting better. Swift is, is apparently already one of their biggest weapons. We know Marvin Jones can, can handle himself against the Packers. So it's, it's an excuse, but it's not, it's not everything. And again, the defense is still... Still a defense that shouldn't allow 42 points. And the Packers' offense is not an offense that puts up 42 points against bad teams. They're just, they, they, I mean, they, they haven't been that. And there's no reason to play those games. And if anybody in the national media wants to play that game, they're missing it. And it doesn't mean this happens forever, but it's two weeks in a row now. There are plenty of bad defenses in the NFL. The Giants have a horrific defense. The Bears scored 17 points. Why? Why didn't they put up 42 I thought if you play a bad defense, you're supposed to, you know, whatever. What's going on here? I thought that was just automatic. The Vikings have a terrible defense. Why did the Colts only put up 28? I thought they should put up 43 like the Packers did. What happened? I thought that just, it's just a thing that just happens. Eagles only put up 19 against the Rams. What, what's going on there? They got Carson Wentz, and they got these two good wide receivers, and they drafted Jalen Rager. Remember, we're, we're a bunch of idiots because we didn't draft Rager. We should have traded up and got Rager. Instead, the Eagles got them, and now the Eagles are going to be this elite team. Except they're 0-2 and only scored 19 points against the Rams, who have basically one good player on defense. It's a slight exaggeration, but what's going on here? I don't, I don't understand. I'm confused. What about the Chiefs? Best offense in football. 
Chargers defense, I mean, they got Bosa, but what? They scored 23. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, what, do you mean, what, what do you mean 23? Why only 23? Look, there's a lot of high-scoring games. Defenses are still trying to figure it out. But the Packers are taking advantage of it, and that's the point I'm really trying to drive home here. This is now a team that actually, when they play bad teams, they bury them. The question now is, can they still beat good teams like they did last year? Can you find a way? Can you dig deep? And we know the answer is yes. Will they? I don't know. But they have all the components. They've got the offense, no question. Maybe they don't score 43 against the Saints. Okay, fine, but they still have the offense. Can you score 24? Can you score 28? Can you score 30? Defensively, do you have the pieces? Well, we have corners. They're not perfect. They make mistakes, but we still have corners that are NFL caliber corners, unlike some teams. We have pass rushers. That's pretty much all you need to have a chance. A great offense, some elite pass rushers, some quality corners, some decent safeties, and not the worst linebacker in the history of the world. That's plenty to win a football game in the NFL. More than enough. So, anyways, I really got to get going. It's been fun, folks. We'll have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more substance, a little less drama tomorrow. But it just, it just feels good. And, I, and again, the biggest thing: enjoy it. Please enjoy it. There's no sense getting upset about a 42 to 21 victory over the Detroit Lions. A game that, going into it, I said there's a chance we don't win this game. And when the game started, we all said there's a good chance we don't win this game. Because we understand this is the NFL. And we understand it's possible that the Packers' offense isn't as good as we thought. It's, it's possible the defense is the worst in football. It's possible the Lions are better than we thought. It's possible, 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 possible. 42-21. to 21. Enjoy it, please. Have a good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.